Welcome back to Team Digby's Round Circle Podcast, sponsored by Larry Geese himself. Today is Thursday, November 19th, and, and I'll introduce our host. My name is Ben Beckos. I'm a sophomore studying accounting and finance in the Geese College of Business. How's it going, Ben? I'm Dylan Holt. I'm a sophomore as well, studying finance in the Geese College of Business. Hey, everyone. I'm Abby, a junior, and I'm double majoring in marketing and management. Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah, and I'm a sophomore studying accounting. Uh, we're excited to talk to you guys today about what we've learned about virtual teaming this semester. We hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, Geese students, and welcome to Team Digby's Round Circle podcast. This year has been extremely diff different socially and academically. With fewer social gatherings, we must rely on virtual tools to help communicate. Today, I have some fellow B201 students with me to discuss communication both virtually and as a tool in business. So here today, we have Ben and Dylan. How's it going, Abby? Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Abby. All right. So to start off today's conversation, I want to know both of your guys' thoughts on group projects, especially because we do a lot here in Geese and a lot in this class. Yeah, thanks, Abby. For me, I enjoy group projects as I've enjoyed playing team sports, and, and still continue to to this day here at U of I. Um, like you, Abby, I do prefer when all members of the team pull their weight and are constantly communicating with each other in order to be on the same page. Um, however, I think that throughout this semester, our team has done a tremendous job of collaborating and, and working together to make this possible. Um, I think we've done a great job getting to know each other and, and learning each other's strengths, and I think that this has definitely made uh, this process very enjoyable for each of us. Yeah, I'd say I have some similar opinions. I think that group projects can really go either way. Uh, I'd agree with Ben that in our case, we did a really good job this semester. But what I mean by that is that you can have a group project where you collaborate and communicate really well, which often leads to a better grade. But I've also had experiences where members in a group weren't very involved and engaged in the work, and that can be really frustrating. Yeah, well, it kind of sounds like there's a common theme between both what you guys were saying about communicating, and that's one of the toughest parts about being in a team. And through this class, we've learned a lot of tips and tricks about communicating in teams. Um, me, personally, I like group projects. Uh, I think that they're collaborative, and since I'm an extrovert, I love interacting with others. As long as they're willing to put in their own weight, I think that's the most frustrating part. And, just as, and I just want the team members to communicate because that's another thing that gets frustrating. All right, so Ben, what is one tip you would give students about communicating in a team that you've learned this semester? Yeah, one thing I've definitely noticed throughout this semester is that you need to know when to speak and you need to know when to let others speak. And I think this is definitely very important virtually. Um, in Zoom calls, you know, using the functions that are there, such as the raising hands or the chat, especially in a larger team of you know 15 or 20, I think is the best idea because it, it creates a way for the host of the meeting and kind of just all team members to organize, organize the call and their thoughts and allow everyone to be heard. Um, you know, all too often I've, I've heard of people talking over each other and not communi communicating effectively. And I think, you know, with the ability to use these functions that that risk can really be minimized from that. Yeah, I agree 100%. And just going off that, 
I've definitely had instances in classes like, for example, this semester in one of my econ classes, we have a group project and there was just a few sessions where one person kind of dominated the conversation for like 10, 20 minutes and the rest of the group, we just didn't feel like we could get our points in and it really kind of takes away from the conversation. And so, and that kind of brings me to one of my main points about communication, I think is listening. Um, it's just, I think listening is one of the biggest things when it comes to working in a group. I think it's just important or even more important as talking. Yeah, one thing I know um, that has helped me in this class was to ask questions. And when you ask those questions, be really specific. Our team often struggled with inventory. It was something we just couldn't get for even to the last round we stocked out. So I asked the section coaches like just a general question of how does inventory work? And while they gave me a great answer, it was very general because my question was very broad. Later on, when my teammates asked, one of my teammates, one of my teammates asked, so uh, we've been struggling with inventory the last few rounds and we want to know how inventory is calculated so we can better forecast our production. When they asked the section coach this more specific question, he was much more helpful and told us about forecasting methods that they used and what worked for them and some advice to better forecast our, our inventory. So making sure you're willing to ask questions is super important, but also being specific in your communication will get you the results you're looking for a lot quicker. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. Um, you know, one thing that I really found to be helpful this semester is to be present. And I think being present means asking meaningful, specific questions, like you mentioned. Um, I think when you are present in the conversation as well, you can kind of pick up on cues of when to talk and when to listen. And, and I think that really helps hear other points of view. And I know for us, especially with our inventory problem this semester with Capsum, it definitely helped us clear up some confusion and, and really think about what we needed to do to fix that problem. Um, you know, I think virtually being present can be as simple as having your camera on and uh, making yourself, um, you know, more, more aware of what's going around on around you uh, because others can see you and, and you can make that, that real connection with people uh, through, you know, seeing and collaborating with them that way. Um, I, also, I also think that, um, you know, when people, when people can see your face, they can read your facial expressions and, and really uh, get to know you better as a person. And I think that this is definitely something that, that is uh, very important to remain present in a team virtual setting. Yeah, so um, I love what you guys had to add to this conversation. Thank you so much for participating. Um, I think we've seen throughout this semester that communication is very important as a business tool, but even more important virtually as we live in a changing world and we must adapt to it. So does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? Don't think so, but thanks for having us, Abby. It was really helpful. It's fun to be here. Thanks, Abby. Okay, well, thank you, Ben and Dylan, for joining me today, and I hope those listening learned a couple of tips for communicating in a group and working virtually. Make sure you just stick around for our next podcast discussing how to implement an atmosphere of inclusiveness and diversity in a virtual world, moderated by Sarah. Welcome back, key students, to Digby's Round Circle podcast. I'm here today with Dylan and Abby. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having us. Hey, Sarah. Thank you. 
And we're here to talk about inclusivity and diversity in a team, and even more than that, how we can navigate the two in an online environment. Inclusivity and diversity are things I heard a lot growing up, so to me it almost seems like one cannot exist without the other. I've come to realize that the two are in fact mutually exclusive. A good example I can think of is a college campus. It's easy to accept students from all backgrounds to fill a quota or a goal of fostering a diverse college community. But just because a community is diverse does not mean it is inclusive. The question is what happens after those students get admitted? An inclusive campus will likely have many opportunities for those students to interact and will provide different opportunities based on diverse needs. The same, things hap the same thing happens at an organizational level. An article from Gallup wrote that wide demographics alone won't make a difference to an organization's bottom line unless the people within those demographics feel authentically welcomed. I think that's the key difference between inclusive, inclusivity and diversity. Dylan, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I personally like to think of inclusivity and diversity uh, in a team in the same way. A lot of people end up in groups, uh, for example, like a group project that could be diverse. But I think being inclusive um, would be a great advantage for a team if they can capitalize on each other's differences. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about how inclusivity and diversity are related? Well, yeah, actually, to answer your question, I, I can think of an example. So, for example, there's a writer, a video editor, and a data analysis in a group together. All these group members are have something unique to offer. Inclusivity, in this case, would be assigning work based on what each team, each person can uniquely offer. A writer could focus on how they want um, a message to be communicated, while the video editor can focus on how they want the message to be presented, and the data analysis could focus on the data that supports their message. Yeah, I think that's a great example of legitimate inclus inclusiveness and one that we can all kind of relate to as students. Um, you know, I think it's all about finding out what everyone's strengths are and then providing them the opportunity and the platform to use those strengths to work together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about habits that high-functioning virtual teams have that relate to inclusivity and diversity. Um, the first habit I found in the article is that they work in figure eights, meaning uh, working apart individually but on a shared issue. So this doesn't mean all the time, just when they have to. And Abby, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I actually remember reading that article article and um, that kind of goes back to my previous example of the writer, the video editor, and the data analysis. Their different tasks require different processes and lengths. As such, working in figure eights is an inclusive habit that allows each person to work individually as much as they need before coming back together as a group. I also think a lot of the time it might be counterproductive to work together for a long period of time if it's tasks that an individual can do, especially over Zoom. Zoom fatigue is real. I've noticed sometimes there is an awkward silence while someone is doing their part and everyone everyone else is waiting on them. It can be hard to break that silence over Zoom because there's no way to tell when how open other teammates are to conversation if their cameras are off. What do you guys think about working in an online environment as a group at the same time? Yeah, well, I think that's a good question, and I really liked a lot of the points you brought up, especially, you know, having your camera on over Zoom. I think little things like that can make a big difference. Um, I think another habit that successful virtual teams do a lot, uh, especially in a group setting, is um, the idea of sharing the air. Um, this is already kind of a struggle when meeting in person, so being virtual really only makes this a little harder. Um, 
you know, personally, I've known other international Geese College of Students businesses, uh, business students who have told me stories about interacting with other people on their teams. And a lot of them have had experiences where they feel like they can't contribute as much or communicate as well because other members might be judging them on things such as, you know, their accent. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that's something we don't often think about or talk about enough. But it matters how you communicate something and how well you communicate it. So usually those with accents or even those who stutter have to fight a little harder to get their message across. If some are quick to assume that they don't have a message worth contributing. I think it's because we are quick to believe that those who speak in confidence usually um, speak quickly without an accent or without stuttering. So it seems that those who do have stutters or do have an accent take more time, which can come off as being less confident. Yeah, I think that's a very real struggle. Um and one that people, like you said, need to think about more. Um, I think if people were to value what others had to say and afford them the opportunity to say it, especially over Zoom, you know, they might actually realize how helpful the contributions were. Um, and if they were to just dismiss this, they could miss out on some of that. Uh, some of the smartest people that I know personally have accents and or stutter. So I think it's on us as students to really try to be more patient and inclusive, especially in this virtual setting. Yeah, I totally agree with your points there. And this even reminds me of an article on the number one strategy for inclusion from Gallup. Basically, it talked about how an inclusive culture generally has three things. One, everyone treats everyone else with respect. Two, employees are valued for their strengths. And three, leaders do what's right. A survey even con concluded that three out of 10 US employees feel like their opinion matters, and four out of 10 feel like they have an opportunity to do what they do best each day. Um, yeah, I remember reading that article, it was an interesting read, and I kind of think that ties into what we talked about in class in terms of a hostile work environment. I imagine we've all heard of the phrases, no excuses, don't ask stupid questions, or don't give stupid ideas. If those phrases come from a leader or other team members, it kind of gives an unwelcoming or hostile environment that is not exclusive, inclusive. I imagine if someone else in my team said that, I wouldn't want to speak up. So I'd be more reluctant to give ideas. Especially when over Zoom, there's already the screen barrier that doesn't allow for you to read body language. So the only thing you can go off is someone else's words and their tone. I think if we as students were able to create a welcoming environment, then others might make very valuable contribu contributions even over Zoom. I've also found that it's reassuring when other students invite someone else to speak once they're done talking because like there is a struggle of trying to avoid talking over each other and in our capstone groups I've noticed whenever someone else speaks over someone we kind of go back to them and try and ask them what they were what they were thinking so that everyone could speak equally. Yeah for sure you know I think at the end of the day I really don't think that it takes a lot to be inclusive. All you need to do is have an open and inviting attitude and a perspective that allows you to acknowledge others' unique strengths without that taking away from your own strengths. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Dylan. I feel very lucky and fortunate to have this specific caption group because I always felt like my contribution and other contributions matter, and I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah, so this brings, up to, uh, this brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, thank you for listening on our take on diversity and inclusion. Please tune into our next session to hear more on purpose and motivation and in a virtual environment. You won't, you won't want to miss that podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you.
All right. I'd like to welcome everybody back to Team Digby's Round Circle Podcast. In this session, we're going to be discussing purpose, what it is, why it matters, and what it can do for you as a student in the Gies College of Business. I'm joined today by two fellow students, Abby and Ben. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great, Dylan. Thanks for having us here. Thanks, Dylan. Excited to be here. So today we're talking about purpose. Uh, just to start off, how would you guys describe purpose? Well, I think I see purpose as the main motivation for an individual to do the things that they do. So for me, I think purpose is pretty much similar to one's passion in life. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Um, I'm going to break it down a little further with you guys. So I agree that purpose can serve as a motivation for someone, but I actually think that uh, relating purpose to passion can make purpose a bit daunting for some people when really it doesn't have to be. Uh, one of my favorite definitions for purpose comes from EY Americas, who define it as quote, an aspirational reason for being, which inspires and provides a call to action for an organization, end quote. So here they were referring to purpose within a business, but I think it's really applicable on an individual level. Uh, essentially, it can act as a guiding light for an individual that influences each decision and action they take on a, on a lower level, but that'll eventually lead to a larger result, even if you don't know exactly what that is yet. Now, Currently, we've all been living through this pandemic, COVID-19, for almost a year now, um, working virtually entirely uh, in a virtual setting. How would you guys say that this has affected your experience as a student overall? Yeah, I think the pandemic has definitely made everything a little more difficult. Yeah, how would you, how would you say so? For me, I just feel much less engaged and connected with my work and my classmates and even my professors. Um, you know, for me, there's a, there's a huge difference between physically being in a classroom versus being on the Zoom lecture. Uh, you know, sometimes that's just five minutes after you wake up or sometimes I'm still in bed and, and logging into Zoom. But I feel like I'm, I'm simply turning in assignments and, and getting points instead of really digging into the material. And for me, it doesn't feel like a great learning experience. It feels more like I'm just surviving and, and checking the box every week. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And I think I think any student in the country right now can really relate to what you're saying. And I think um, at the core of what you're really describing is a lack of purpose. Uh, I think the, the virtual setting has been a big cause in this. And I think it's created, like you were talking about, a disconnect between the work that us students are putting in on a day-to-day -day level and the eventual goal of our education. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it's been harder this semester than any other semester doing all Zoom lectures and feeling like I'm more responsible for my work. Um, but going off of that, like, what can we do? How can we begin to engage and find purpose in our schoolwork after feeling such a disconnect for almost a year now? Well, Abby, that's a great question, and that's what we're here for today. So I'm going to try to give you guys a few tips uh, for deriving purpose in your life that I picked up through my time in B201 and elsewhere. And hopefully these are some things that you guys can implement into your life right now. Yeah, it sounds great. We'd love to hear them, Dylan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is certainly nothing that's going to happen overnight. And it might take some practice. But I really think that just implementing a few basic habits into your day can have drastic positive effects. Um, so the first tip I'd like to introduce to you guys is to journal. Um, and this is something that we picked up on this year through Professor Luckman, and it's something that's been really helpful to me personally. And this doesn't have to be something that you do every day, but say every week or so, I'd recommend journaling a few things. Journal about your goals and your aspirations, both in the long term and in the short term. So this, what this will do is it'll provide you a sense of focus on your short term goals, um, but it'll also provide a connection between the work you're doing now and your goals for the future. 
Um, so as I mentioned, with Professor Luckman, she had us doing this about once a week about various topics. And I just felt, with, for me, it always left me with a renewed sense of purpose and self. Yeah. Um, personally, I've never really been into journaling. But after this semester, I can see that it can serve such a great purpose and helps me find my like purpose as a student. So just writing down my goals or aspirations seems to make them more real, like actual things I can, goals I can reach if I've written them down and kind of steps to get there. But let's say I start my week by journaling that in the future, I want to give back to communities in need. And I think my education will provide tools to do that. So I've written down my goal and I see what I'm do, and I see like the way to reach that goal. Right. But then as the week goes on, I find myself extremely bored and unmotivated with my Aki 201 class. I don't even want to be an accountant, so why do I do it then? Then, Am I supposed to find purpose in every aspect of my life? Well, that's a great question, Abby, and that's a hard one because it's a very real and common scenario for a lot of students. You know, you're not going to love every class you take, and at the end of the day, you're right. You know, you're not going to find purpose in the least favorite activity you do every week just because you journaled a few things. However, I think that this would be a great time to take a step back and, you know, see if you can try one of my next tips. And this one is a little different, but it um, has kind of the same goal in mind. And this is to reach out to and talk to someone who's in a position you would like to be in later in life. So this could be done through someone you know, you know, through your parents or your network or even through just reaching out to a professional on LinkedIn who seems similar to you. Either way, uh, if you can find somebody who's in a position that you want to hope to be in later in life and simply just ask this person, you know, how did you get to where you are today? And then seeing if you can draw similarities from what they did into your own life. Um, and then hopefully what this will do for you is you'll gain more of an understanding of what you need to do now on a day-to-day -day basis to get there. And this could provide kind of a kindling of sorts to motivate you and say, you know, your schoolwork and your, especially a class like Aki 201. Um, and on top of that, you will have made a new connection and expanded your professional network. Yeah, Dylan, I think that's a great tip. Um, you know, I, I know people often talk about the importance of networking, and it's it's definitely something we've covered uh, in B two hundred one. But I think people understand underestimate the emotional value that you can really gain by talking to someone um, in a position and someone with similar interests. I know. Um, Specifically, I remember Professor Luckman highlighting the importance of talking to as many people as you can. Um, this stuck out to me because uh, the worst thing that they could they could say is no. And uh, as Professor Luckman's dad actually pointed out, uh, it will either work or it won't. Um, and I think that you know, even if it doesn't work, you still continue on and still continue to reach out to people because um, you know when you when you establish that personal connection with someone it does really make the difference in networking. And, and it really translates to another idea that we've talked about in B201 uh, called homophily, which is basically means the love of the same. And this is kind of the tendency of individuals to favor and help out those who, who are they are similar with. So I see the personal connection being a huge advantage in networking. And I think that's a, that's a great way to go about it. Yeah, no, those are all great points, and that's exactly the kind of attitude that you want to have when you're doing that kind of thing, you know, because that's, that's the truth. It'll work or it won't, and you can keep going even if it doesn't, and that's really what it's all about, you know. It's, it's figuring out what you love and what you want and aspire to be, and then using this kind of long-term overarching goal as a motivation for what you currently have to do. 
you know, purpose can be a really powerful tool for us students. Um, and I think that it's kind of, it can be seen as a daunting thing, but I hope that today we kind of explain that just by having a conversation or even just journaling every once in a while, you can really utilize purpose in your own life. And when you do do that, uh, it really can serve as an excellent motivator um, in our everyday lives as students, but especially during these, you know, unique virtual times. So that's a little bit about purpose. I hope you all learned something today and about how you can implement it into your own life as a student. Uh, I'd like to give a big thanks to Abby and Ben for being here today and a big thank you to the listeners. Thank you. Thanks, Dylan. And please stick around for our next session to hear us wrap up what we learned this semester throughout B201. Welcome back to the final episode of this week's Team Digby Round Circle podcast. This semester, we put all these ideas together in B201 through our CAPSM simulation. It was unfortunate that we were unable to be in person this semester. However, virtually completing this simulation allow, allowed us to improve ourselves as effective virtual team members. As we mentioned, we were lucky enough to learn how to communicate, include others, and be able to complete our work with purpose in order, in order to become more successful. We are thankful for the experiences we have had the privilege of having and thankful for Professor Luckman for making this semester an effective one for her students. Without these learning methods, without learning these methods, we would not have been able to gain as much value through our simulation and experiences as we have had otherwise. On a more personal note, I enjoyed meeting my team and being able to work with Dylan, Sarah, and Abby on a weekly basis. I enjoyed learning about these different stra different strategies to utilize virtually and being able to apply them. With that, I was I was lucky to learn more about my teammates, their backgrounds, and what each of their strengths are. As we continue to wrap up our podcast today and this semester as a whole, I think it will be interesting to hear from my partners to hear about, hear about their experiences and what really stuck with them throughout this semester in B201. I'll start out with Abby. What was your favorite experience from this semester? I would have to say my favorite experience was getting to talk to the IMBA students. Um, they just had so much experience and advice that I wanted to know and just like wanted to know everything about how they got where they are at and what they're doing. It was just really um, insightful for me. And when I was in the breakout rooms, I had the chance to talk to Chris, who was a manager for the speaker and Bluetooth division at Apple. I asked him if he could go back to our spots today, what was one thing he would tell himself? And the biggest thing he kept saying was just to stay curious about what people do and to ask questions. He, was like, he told us people want to talk about their experiences and jobs if they're passionate about them. So if you're sincere, they'll be willing to share their life with you and it all starts with just one little connection. Maybe you have something in common like a sports team or a hobby and then just go with that and find something that you can connect with. The last piece of advice he said was to just be a duck. Let rejection and defeat roll off your back. The worst they can say is no and then you'll just move on. So. B201 students, remember, just be a duck. Yeah, Abby, I think that's great advice. I remember in my breakout room, I got the chance to speak with Sada Rupa, and her advice um, actually came from a Matthew McConaughey quote, which I <laughs> thought was really interesting. Um, you know, the quote was that your role model should be yourself in, in should be yourself five years from now. And I think at first, I didn't really know what this means, but as I thought about it more, I think it gave me great perspective of who I want to be in the future and what kinds of things I should do now in order to make that happen. And, and it's really um, changed the way I look at my actions now and how they actually have effects on my future. 
Dylan, what were some of the ways you were an effective virtual team member? Yeah, so, you know, obviously we, throughout the semester, had a ton of opportunities to be working as virtual team members, and it's not something that a lot of us were used to, but I'd say one of the biggest ways I was an effective virtual team member this semester was through just some of the basic habits I exercise when working on a team. <clears throat> For example, you know, a lot of times when you're in a big Zoom lecture, most people won't have their cameras on. Um, but, however, when we were working in a small team on Zoom, I always tried to turn my camera on if I could. Because even though this is a small kind of basic thing, I think in a virtual setting it really goes a long way to actually be seen physically in some way. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and that's one thing that I've especially learned from this class is, is how important face-to-face -face can be in, in the connection that you can really create um, through that in a virtual team setting. Um, moving on, Abby, what was one of the main activities that we did in class that really stuck out with you? So one activity I really liked was when we were split into two groups and we had to draw houses. So one group had to draw houses with very specific instructions. They were said, draw a square house with a triangle roof and like a door with a chimney and like smoke coming out. And they all ended up looking exactly the same. But in my group, we were given more creativity. They said, just draw a house that is ideal for your future. And what I really took away was that as leaders, we should find a balance between giving instruction and letting our peers be innovative and take responsible responsibility for their projects because when we do that, we um, allow for people to be heard and let their opinions um, come through. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think something that kind of relates to that balance you were talking about, um, something that especially stuck with me, um, from this semester was, um, you know, the Bill Burnett TED Talk. I remember this activity in, in his talk, he did a great job explaining that, that we're not late for anything in our careers and that we're right on time if we are continuing to interact and learn with others and, and keep that balance like you were talking about. Another thing that stuck out with me as I continue to find my purpose is to pay attention to what I'm doing, but to keep my peripherals open. Burnett, Burnett used this to kind of explain especially this semester in a group setting where everyone is communicating and collaborating, that it isn't so important to be open to others' thoughts and ideas. When we do this, we become more effective team, team members, and a society as a whole. Lastly, he pointed out the importance of getting curious, talking to people, and to try new things. And I think that kind of wraps up and, and really relates uh, really well to what we've, what we've gone over this semester. Dylan, how about you? What's one really great activity that really stuck with you throughout this semester. Yeah, so one kind of activity that uh, we were given throughout the semester was reading various parts of um, Duhigg's book, Smarter, Faster, Better. Um, I really enjoyed this book. I thought I learned a lot from it. Um, and there are a few stories that stuck out to me the most, um, one of which I want to expand on uh, was from chapter six, where Duhigg described how a woman went from being a casual poker player to beating some of the best professionals in the world. And, then, and he then related this to uh, Bayesian thinking. Essentially, his main point from all this was that in life you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable and learn how to think on your feet. Um, we can never predict our circumstances in this world, and I think that the pandemic has taught us, has taught us all this. Um, so thus, to be an effective leader and professional in our world today, uh, these skills of thinking on your feet are really vital to your success. So Sarah, what did you think of B201 as a whole? Like what stood out to you or what was your favorite part in general? 
Yeah, so I just enjoyed the class as a whole, especially the part where we got to reflect in the beginning of each class. I think self-reflection is really important, so I appreciated having that as part of a class. You don't really have that in a normal class, so it was refreshing to have. But if I had to choose something content-related, I think I would choose Amy Edmondson's TED Talk on how to turn a group of strangers into a team from Module 6. I mean, I, I love TED Talks in general, but hers is really worth watching. So she talked about how what you need to become a good team. And that was how situation humility and, curio and curiosity result in a sort of psychological safety that allows you to speak up, which over Zoom is already kind of hard to do, as we mentioned. So the most interesting thing she mentioned was overcoming the basic human challenge, which is how to still learn when you think you already know. So with an online team, you kind of want to finish as quickly and as efficiently as possible, which means one or more group members may naturally assume the group leader role and assume they already know everything, which closes them off from other people's suggestions or ideas. So this kind of also ties back to something Professor Luckman mentioned in class on how uh, when asked to build a tower out of supplies, children did much better than executives because they didn't need to overcome the basic human challenge. Executives worked with the mindset that they already know how to do what's best, and that resulted in them clashing and not getting anything done. But yeah, her TED Talk is amazing. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I really like that point, and I think that's a great, great example of, um, you know, like Professor always mentions, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, so as, as we kind of wrap up here, you've heard many of the common methods to success when working with a virtual team. We've gone over communication, inclusiveness among the team members, and really finding purpose in your work. If you put your words into action, if you put our words rather into action, then we have no doubt that you will make a positive impact on your virtual team in the future, just as, just as we have throughout this semester. Moving forward, I hope the students of the Geese College of Business take what we have learned from this semester and talked about today and be able to apply this to their lives as they continue to work in virtual teams. We want to thank you all for listening and tuning in to the Team Digby's Round Circle podcast and hope that you'll join us next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be a duck.